distinct privilege of mine to be able to share this uh, this weekend with you, this morning, this early afternoon, because uh, my story in many ways has a lot to do with my father's story. My father's story is, is an interesting one. Um, just to give you a little bit, I, I thought it'd be nice to share uh, kind of what, is, what happened in my father's life and how that in turn affected my life and, um, and how that's led us even to this moment now. But I was thinking about this, and just to give you a little bit of background, uh, my family immigrated, my parents immigrated from El Salvador um, to the United States, San Francisco, and I was born here. And so I grew up in, in really two worlds. Uh, outside of the house was one culture, and inside of the house it was uh, completely different. I, the best way I can explain it is it, it was like the embassy of El Salvador. <laughs> and so it was just completely different. You know, everything about my family was different. And in the midst of our family culture and who we were, one thing that was not present was church. God, Jesus, church was not something that was a part of our family. In fact, I do remember my mom having, uh, even from as long as I could remember, my mom having some uh, kind of faith in the Lord. And oftentimes she would pray over me, uh, you know, when I was, I remember my childhood days, her praying for me, over me, and sharing different psalms with me. And I didn't really know they were psalms back then. I, I just thought they were nice poems my mom liked to read. And uh, I remember my mom sharing that. And even at different points at the dinner table, my mom would bring up, uh, the idea of attending church. And what would happen is it would be usually around Easter time or Christmas time, my mom would bring up the topic of, of God, of church, and say, you know, we should probably to my father and myself. And it, she would bring up the topic, and what, what ended up happening was an, an active interaction, a passionate uh, conversation of back and forth. And in my mind, I always saw my dad kind of winning those conversations. And his ultimate, you know, many times his trump card was, well, you know what, uh, I would like to, but tomorrow the Niners are playing. <laughs> and so I, I came to notice that really my dad largely avoided God, vo avoided the idea, the topic, avoided going to church. And I figured, you know what, if this is something my father avoids, then maybe it's something I should avoid as well. And this was the case for the first 15 years of my life. It was brought up every so once in a while, and, um, and uh, that's kind of how it went. My father, in my mind, won those arguments, and so we avoided church. Uh, it did not become a part of our tradition. We did have other traditions, though. We had a uh, Sunday morning tradition was one of my favorites. My mom would uh, get up and prepare the family breakfast or brunch or lunch, depending on how late we slept in. And um, I remember just waking up oftentimes to the smell of food throughout the house and having kind of conversation and hanging out, and it was very relaxed. And, and you know, when I was around 15, what happened one Sunday morning is I woke up expecting this. Um, really, it was, a, it was a part of our family. And what I found was that as I got up and I made my way throughout the house, the house was empty. And there was no smell in the air. And there was no conversation. And my parents weren't home. And so I remember thinking, that's a little odd. And all throughout Sunday morning, that Sunday, I remember just kind of being a little confused about where they were. Maybe they went grocery shopping this Sunday morning. So all right, they went and they came back Sunday afternoon. And I remember just forgetting about it, doing some things with my friends or what have you. And the, the next Sunday, same thing happened. I woke up, got out of bed, and started walking throughout the house, and I realized they were gone again. So I said, hmm, this is interesting. And, and I just kind of went throughout my day again, and I uh, didn't really know what was going on, and just didn't say anything. And then the third week came around, and it happened yet again. And by this time, I realized, you know what? I, there's something going on. I'm not. There's no food here. <laughs> and something needs to be addressed. And so I remember, 
I remember uh, my parents coming in in the house in the afternoon, Sunday afternoons, and I went up to them and I said, okay, hold on, hold on. Where, where have you guys been? And uh, my, my mom, my dad just kind of walked past me and my mom uh, said, well, son, we, we were at church. And I said, what? what? You were at church? Where? In the city, in San Francisco. Well, what? okay. And in my head now, there's all kinds of questions going on. Wait a minute, this, you know, this is weird. And, and so I remember going up to my dad and I said, I don't, I don't think this is true. Maybe she got him on one of those arguments. I'm not sure what happened. And so I go up to my dad and dad, my mom says, you guys went to church. Is this true? And he says, no. I said, oh, okay, okay. Where'd you go? To a concert. I said, Sunday morning concert? That makes no sense. He says, well, I went to this place where they got a band, they played the music, and I liked the music. And they did have somebody say something, but I really liked the music. <laughs> and I said, you went to church. And uh, he's like, he, didn't, he just smiled it off and, and just let it go. And, and I, I just kind of was just like, what's going on here? The 50, this is an about face of 15 years of tradition here. You have constantly let me know the Niners are really important. And, uh, you know, there are other things going on on Sunday morning. And now you're going to church? What's going on? And I remember really honestly being skeptical, not really sure of what was going on right in front of me. And so I, I prodded him. I made fun of him. I, I tried to remind him of the many arguments he had made. And along the way, he just silently let me do it and smiled and, and uh, let me have my fun or at my way and test him in some way. And, and here's what happened. Over time, they kept going to church. And after a while, I can't really explain it except that something had happened. The man that I had grown up knowing, for good or bad, I saw before my eyes something happen. And now I would probably say that he had peace. But it looked like something was settled within him. Back then, I, I wouldn't even know how to describe it. And that, that real-life transformation right in front of me led to me eventually walking through these doors, which led to my own opening of my heart to what perhaps the Lord may want to shine in me. And you know, here's the thing, the interesting thing about it is 11 years ago, 2000, we were interviewed as a family to share about this experience and to share about what had happened in my father's life and how that affected our whole family. And I thought, you know, it'd be cool to bring it back from the archives and get to experience it uh, here together as he shares what had happened a while ago, about 15 years ago. We're going to watch that together, and then I'll be right back. When I was growing up, all I would hear about when my mom would mention going to church to my dad or to me, my dad would say, why are you wasting your morning and going to church? And then my mom would say, well, let's just go, just come with me. And he'd say, no, there's 49ers playing today, or, you know, I have better things to do. I clean up the house. I have so many things to do over the weekend. The middle of that year, a friend of us got very sick. They, at the beginning, they didn't know what it was, but it was a brain tumor. And she only lasted eight months. And her husband came and she, he spoke to us and he especially spoke to Maurice. And Maurice, Maurice was so surprised because he was so 
peaceful. He, he shared with me that I said, well, you know that we're Christians and, and in the past I have invited you to come close for moments like this. Nobody can tell. And, and he said, uh, when you have faith and you believe, then it'll be there for you. I understand it, I was blown and that was January and March just before the Easter play uh, are you listening that's when I, I said I, I need to do something different yeah. When they went to the first Easter play, which was uh, Are You Listening, three years ago, and after they went to Easter play and everything, they were all energized. I saw something new in my dad that I never saw before. When I saw that play, the actors, it just came alive. It, it grabbed me. It, it, it was just such passion. And the music, it, it was just... The, the final straw. My dad's always been very optimistic, but there was something in, inside of him that just, it glowed without him even smiling or saying anything. It was just something different. All my defenses were <laughs> tore down. Uh, that's logical fences or reasoning. And when it comes to the Lord, it just, you can put a fight, but he knows better how to take that fight and, and turn it around. That's the truth. It changed our life as a family and as individuals. And God only knows how far that change will reach. There's not one day that when I don't wake up and I and I pray and I ask for him to to uh, let me know that he's there because even if I don't know he's there he is you know it's just affecting my life. It's kind of interesting watching that video. It reminds me that, uh, among other things, mistakes can be corrected. Hairstyles, haircuts can be fixed. <laughs> Wrong choices can be adjusted. <laughs> Change is possible. But you know, I also wanted to share that with you because it, it, it shows that we never really know to what extent our light can reach. We never really know that if, how far our willingness to partner up with God can impact and how many generations it can go. And as it was said there, you know, the impact that was made through this one man who they referred to, and his name was Dale, the impact that was made, it's this, we just don't know. God only knows how far this will go. It is yet to be written. And it, it reminds me of this because so much of life is lived in the dailiness in the mundaneness, in the day-to-day -day carrying out of our responsibilities and the different things that stress us and uh, call us to attention, the different relational tension points. 
We have to deal with insecurities and fears about the future, about the present, different projects and deadlines. And amidst all of these things, it's so easy to forget or maybe to lose sight or maybe to become completely unaware that perhaps in the midst of this, God is trying to carry something out. As we naturally live life, God is seeking to shine. God is seeking to impact through us, all around us. The question isn't whether or not God is wanting to use us. The question is, are we willing? Are we willing to partner up to live our life in such a way that its impact is felt beyond our generation? Are we willing? You know, this is, this is an impactful story because in many ways, if, just to reiterate a couple things, Dale is the person, the friend that spoke to my father about his faith. And in many ways, Dale was living out his life naturally. Uh, he was li- carrying out his responsibilities and raising his family and being a husband as best as he could. And amidst that, he had shared when asked when he could, just naturally in conversation about his faith, about their family attending church, and had even invited my father to come to church. And like most of us, my father initially resisted. And then as, as he walked life out, something of a tragedy happened, the loss of his wife. An enormous tragedy. And in the midst of that, somehow, peace that he could never comprehend held him together. And that light that held him together was able to shine through the cracks of his weakness and through the grief of the situation and impact someone, my father, a friendship he had. And when he was asked, how is this even possible? How is it possible that you are still together as you walk through this? He he did the natural thing, which is, well, I've told you about him before, and now I tell you again, this is where he matters. And that led to my father deciding to come, which led to him opening his life out up to the Lord, which led to a transformation right in front of me that led to my willingness to come, which led to something of a transformation. And now many years later, I have the distinct privilege of sharing Jesus naturally as best as possible with teens week in and week out with a great team. And even now, I get to share with you. Do you see We just never know how far our light can reach if we are willing to live our life in such a way that God can impact beyond our generation. In fact, the passage we're going to look at describes this very process. It's a passage in the book of 2 Timothy, and it's a letter written from Paul to Timothy. And just to set the table, Paul is... Paul, in many ways, is a father figure to Timothy. We're not really given much information about Timothy's biological father. We're just told that Timothy's mother and grandmother were the ones who had a personal faith in Jesus. And that influenced Timothy to open his life up to Jesus. And so along his journeys, Paul, as he was telling others about the one who came proclaiming forgiveness and grace, the one who came proclaiming love, unending love, Along his journeys, he intersected with Timothy's life and ended up taking him on and filled in a role for him, a fatherly role. And they joined together, worked together, which led to Timothy being entrusted with a church in Ephesus. And as he was entrusted in Ephesus, Paul decided he wanted to communicate with Timothy. And we know know this, that this letter in particular was written when he was in jail, in prison, awaiting his trial before Nero, the emperor of Rome. We also know 
that this trial would ultimately lead to the end of his life. And so Paul is facing the distinct decreasing number of days he has before him. And he has it on his heart to communicate to Timothy. And he has, so it implies that whatever he says is of supreme importance. Because he is running out of time to continue communicating. And so among other things, he decides to describe this very process we're talking about. And this is what he says. We pick up in first chapter, verse 13. He says, listen, Timothy, I want you to hold on. I want you to hold, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. You learned from me how to live life. You saw me live it out. You were given an example, footprints to step into. You saw me teach you how to face the challenges of life and how to remain faithful to what God is doing in your life. And so I want you to never let go of this because I have oftentimes reminded you of this, but my time is coming to an end. Do not forget it. Remember what you've been taught. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped not only by my example, but by really the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Never let go of this. In verse 14, he says, Look, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. What precious truth is he talking about? He's talking about the reality that at the moment Timothy opened his life up to Jesus, what he received was the gospel once delivered. That in came Jesus into human history, proclaiming good news. What was that good news? That anyone who would like it has forgiveness, grace immeasurable, love and life, the access to the one who loves them dearly. And God is reaching out and calling out. And not only that, he not only proclaimed this message, but he actually lived it out. And he who died on the cross for that forgiveness to be possible was able to come back from the grave three days later. And that is the original faith. And why is he saying this? He's saying this because Timothy is living in the midst of challenging philosophies, competing philosophies and ideas. Culture is shifting all around him. And what's happening is the faith once delivered is coming under, in many ways, under attack. And so Paul is calling him and saying, Timothy, Remember to do two things. Hold on to what you were given, the example, and protect and guard. Guard the faith once delivered. And as you do this, he turns the tables and he continues. And into the second chapter, he turns the tables and he, now he speaks personally to Timothy. Once again, he says, look, you, you therefore my son. We see the nature of their relationship. I want you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I I know that you find yourself feeling intimidated, perhaps weak. Maybe you're a little overwhelmed at your current circumstance. But I want you to have access or attain access to the grace that God can give you in Jesus. And as you become stronger in his grace, here is this one thing in the midst of everything else going on, the relational tension and the competing personalities and all the responsibilities you're taking care of and all the tasks you're managing. Do not neglect this one thing. He says, these are the things, look, 
the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, I want you to take what you have been given and I want you to commit these things to faithful men. I want you to invest them to men who will be able to teach others also. And so we see something of a pattern. We see Paul who had an experience with God who had an experience with Jesus found in Acts 9. We could read about it on our own if we'd like. And, and as a response, he decided to live his life out, shining as best as he possibly could, pointing others to Jesus. And along the way, he was able to invest into Timothy. And so you have from Paul to Timothy. And then he calls and he compels Timothy and he's saying, look, Timothy, you've been given this entrustment, this treasure. Now it's your turn. I want you to turn around and invest to others. And then once you have poured into them and given it away, I want you to compel them, encourage them to invest into others. And so in this very short interaction, we see that Paul is trying to tell Timothy, you are supposed to live well beyond your generation. Well beyond your generation. In this passage, it's not only significant because of what it says, but in my life, this is, this is, this is really our story. My family story. My father's friend, Dale, decided to invest into my father as best he could. And God ignited something, and my father then invested into me as best he could. And now I have the distinct privilege, and by the grace of God, hopefully, I'm able to do the same. You see... We just never know if we are willing how far our light can reach and how many generations our life can teach, can inspire, can motivate, can encourage. We just never know what God can do through us. And it's this idea, this interaction that I felt the Lord may have a word for us today, this day, in our context. And so we're going to go ahead and turn tables. I'm going, to suggest, I'm going to suggest a couple things that the words Paul gave to Timothy encourage you and I to do something. And I put this under the heading. The words of Paul to Timothy encourage us, among several other things, to consider the example our life is setting. In verse 13, he is able to tell Timothy, look, I want you to hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you received from me, which begs the question, what is the pattern what is the example we are setting? If we have people close behind us, where are they going? What is the pattern we're holding in our private lives where no one can see? In the areas of our motivations and our thoughts and our desires and our dreams? What are the patterns we're holding to? How are we living this out in our relational areas? In our friendships and in our relationships, in circles, where few people see, but it is difficult for us to hide really anything. We are who we are there. What are those patterns? What are the examples we're setting? Hmm. And ultimately, what are the patterns we're setting in our public lives that anyone can have access to if they'd like? I thought about this because Paul was able to set a pattern for Timothy to follow. And Timothy now was being encouraged to set a pattern for others to follow. Dale set a pattern. My father set a pattern. And it continues on. 
And I just wonder, you know, God isn't asking us to think about these things to condemn us or to accuse us or in any way to uh, provoke us to any kind of shame. He is asking us to do this in many ways through these words so that we perhaps can be adjusted. So we could address some things that would lead to greater effectiveness. That our capacity to shine would increase. And our ability to set a proper example before those who we have influence with can just continue to grow. And in everything we do, his light would be able to shine. And as we make small adjustments, as we walk this out and live this out over the long arc of our life, it may be said of us, they saw our good works and deeds, and they glorified our Father in heaven. Hmm. May the Lord have access here. May he have room to question us, to encourage us, to pick us up, to strengthen us, to adjust some things. Paul's words encourage us to think about, consider the example of our life, and also encourage us to be open to investing in others. Yeah, this is in, in verse 2, 2 Timothy. Paul directs Timothy to do this. And in many ways, if we have been given an entrustment, if we have been given, received a treasure, we are encouraged to invest it into others. And this, this could be as simple as a passing word, a natural word flowing in the midst of conversation of daily life. And we could be like the parable of the sower of the seeds that has his seed and walks down the path. And as he walks down the path, he spreads the seeds, the word. And where it lands, it may land. And where it produces life, that is not his duty. His duty is to spread the word. Or it may be that God has given us a particular amount of influence in certain people's lives. And he, he may be asking us to take some time out to consider it. Maybe the Lord is saying, I want you to invest in this person. Take them out to coffee. Have intentional conversation. Have a purpose behind your reunion. Seek to teach something. Impart something. Give something. Invest something. And so it could be a passing word or it could be an intentional investment naturally flowing out of the context of our relationship. And, you know, the truth is investing in others, it, it, it's not easy. In fact, last night after our gathering, somebody came up to me and let me know they were just being honest. You know what? This is really hard. It's hard for me to hear this. And, and here's why. Because many times I've invested into people and it, the results that I've desired, they haven't come. And I've poured energy and I've poured you know, intention and words and conversation and time and resource. And then it's like nothing's happening. And I just, you know, I, I, I almost, I was just sitting there and in the moment, he, he almost interrupts himself and he says, but you know what? I was reminded that God asks us to invest. He's the one who breathes life. I say, wow, that's good. It's true. That his desire for us is to invest. God chooses when that seed will break open and life will surge through. God chooses when that will be watered and how it will be nurtured. Our our invitation is will we shine in such a way that we can make an investment into others? I am so grateful 
that my father's friend, Dale, after inviting my father in his initial resistance, did not cease to shine. But he continued to share as best as he could, as naturally as he could. And when the opportunity came once again, and he was asked, he shared naturally about Christ. And that inevitably led to my father's point of least resistance. Dale's investment was able to pour into my father in such a way that it led to a breaking forth of life, which really led to my investment. And we just don't know how far his light will continue to shine. God wants us to consider the openness we may have in our lives to invest in others. And Paul's words not only encourages us to invest in others, but it encourages us to be open to others investing into us. And, you know, it's Father's Day. And I can't help but think that some of us may have, may not be able to talk about a father who took us to church. We may not be able to speak about a father who set down a, a good example, a good pattern of life. And yet we're here. And perhaps for us, the Lord may be nudging us to be open. That there are people around us that are able to step into that gap. There are different father figures, mother figures that can step into what was not there and are able to set before us a pattern to follow. There may be people right there around us that God has orchestrated to strengthen us. And in our humility and in our ability to open ourselves up, Fuel is given. Healing is transmitted. Strength is given. Encouragement is given. And we can shine. Or maybe there are some other of us. And truly, this, is, this may be the first time we walk through those doors. Or perhaps we're in a season of just checking this out, wondering if God, if, if this is for us, if Jesus is someone that may have something to do with us and for us, being open to being invested in looks like allowing his light to shine within our soul for the very first time. Perhaps the Lord is nudging us to surrender our defenses, to let down our guard, and to allow the life giving light to flood us, to go and penetrate through everything we are, that we may be able to receive the investment he has for us. All of this reminds me that really Paul's words, they ultimately encourage us. They encourage us to give away whatever Christ is doing within us. And I love this. I love this because what it means is if we've ever received grace, we are invited to give it away. If we've ever been forgiven, if we've ever felt the loosening of the cord, of the weight on our back, of shame and guilt, we are then invited to spread that forgiveness and to give it away and lighten the load on somebody else's shoulders. If we've ever received mercy, blessing, an encouraging word, a life-giving word, we are invited with the circles around us and the people that have been placed in our lives to do this. Whatever has been given to us, we are invited to give it away, to shine forth, to allow our little light, however little it is, however diminished we may feel it is, 
In the hands of the one who creates all lights, it can penetrate through any wall, any crevice. And we just never know if we decide, whatever you've given me, Lord, I will give it away. I will give it away. And however I can, and however I move and breathe and walk and talk, help me to be courageous enough to give it away. And may your light shine. May your light shine so powerfully it goes beyond the span of my days. May he use us beyond our generation. May he continue to write his story. May he continue to continue the ripple effect. You see, Christ rippled into Paul's life, rippled into Timothy's life, and from then till now has continued to ripple. We just never know how far these go. Dale into my father, my father into my life, and we just never know what kind of impact a life dropped in by faith can affect generations to come. May the Lord do this. May he inspire us, encourage us, speak to us, as we live this life out, in fact, the band in, in a moment is going to come up and they're going to share our closing song together. It's called Breathe Your Name. It has to do with this idea of everything we do as we breathe in and we exhale out. In everything that we do and how we move and how we talk, may his name be the defining name, the defining breath, the defining word. May his light ultimately shine, shine through us beyond our generation. May this be the case as we move into our day, into our week, and through this summer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. The one who is the giver of life, you, you've chosen to partner with us. And I pray, God, that you would underline within us whatever you may want to underscore. And if you want us to think about how we are living. And you would like us to adjust things, Lord. Help us to be open to your grace, to your voice. If there are people in our lives you would like us to consider investing seeds of conversation and natural words of life that point back to you or concentrated amounts of effort, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to respond and that you would help us, Lord, allow you to shine our light, to fuel the light you've given us. And Lord, if there are some of us who really what you're asking of us is to receive, to receive your grace, to be invested into, to be poured. We need encouragement. We need life. We need you to flood in, Lord. I pray you help us do so. As we breathe in and breathe out, help us shine naturally, sharing your name all around us for your name. Your name, Lord, is the one who is the giver of all light. May your light shine. May your light shine throughout this day, in our lives, and in everything we do. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.